Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 16th, 2019, and I'm recording this at 7.53 p.m. Central Time. Now, this audio is being prepared for the VBC 66 app. However, it's going to be posted in a number of locations. So for anyone listening to this and you're not using the VBC 66 app, let me encourage you to take just a few minutes out of your day, out of your night, out of your morning, out of your time, whenever it may be, and go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Do a search for VBC 66. VBC, which stands for Victory Baptist Church, and the number 66, which stands for the number of books in the Bible. VBC 66, download the app. Once you have downloaded the app to your device, well, start exploring. There's plenty of content on the app to inform you about what is happening in your world, to encourage you to think, to challenge you to think, to, to, to cause you to question maybe some things that you thought was true. And of course, I believe there is plenty of spiritual content to give you spiritual food, to give you something to, to meditate on, to think about, to challenge you spiritually. Um, we want the app to be used by as many people as possible. So please, if you're listening to this somewhere else and you do not have the app, take a few minutes, get the app and use the app. I think you will find it to be beneficial. Now, for those who are using the VBC 66 app, you have heard me say, and a number of places on the app, I've done this in live broadcast. I've done this in sermons. I've done this in recordings. I have talked a lot about how the American church in many ways has become politically hijacked. That the church in many ways, its identity has become its political ideology more than its theological uh, position. In other words, its, its political ideology in many cases has become the identity of the church, not its theological position, not its doctrine. It becomes more known, especially by many in the world, for us being quote-unquote conservative or Republican instead of us being Christian, being committed to the Word of God. And many in the church has almost merged the idea of being conservative or Republican with the Bible as if the two are the same. And I've talked about this over and over and over again. I'm not going to re-preach it and re-go through it, but I've talked about it. Now, yes, I believe the Bible does obviously hand, hand give us a very clear um, ideology that we're supposed to have about right and wrong. And, and many times a biblical ideology may lean towards the conservative side. I think sometimes the biblical uh, worldview and the biblical ideas and the biblical way of thinking may lean a different way un under some uh, circumstances. The key is for a Christian, this is very important, is we are not bound by political affiliation or by political ideology. We are bound by the scriptures. We are to be committed to being faithful to the scriptures. We are to be committed to Jesus Christ and to following him and to glorify him. That's to be our focus, not political power, not political affiliation, not political identity, but to be servants of Christ, to be followers of Christ, to be disciples of him. We are to be Christians, first and foremost. We want the world, if they're going to hate us, you want us, well, you want them to hate us for our biblical stance, not because they, com they connect us to a political party. I cannot stress that enough. 
Now, to try to demonstrate how, in many cases, the church has been, in my words, politically hijacked, on the VBC 66 app, if you'll scroll down to the bottom, you'll see American Family Radio. You can listen to American Family Radio via the VBC 66 app. Now, I have placed it there not because I agree with everything they say. Far from it. I disagree with plenty of things they say and plenty of, of the ways and, and, and many ways that they approach certain issues. But I have it there because I believe by listening to American Family Radio for about a 24-hour, 48, 72-hour period, or just listen to it whenever you can for a week, you're going to hear many times, wait, am I listening to Christian radio or am I listening to a political talk show? Am I listening to Christian radio or am I listening to conservative talk radio? Am I listening to Christian radio or am I listening to a version of Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levine, etc., etc., etc.? And some times it's really hard to, to draw the distinction. It sounds more political than it does uh, Christian. So I like at times for people to hear the programming and, and different things from that just to try to hear how it can sound. Now, American Family Radio airs here in Abilene, Texas, where I am, where I am at, where my, my church is located in Ovalo, Texas. I live in Abilene, Texas. But um, in, in Abilene, Texas, American Family Radio airs on 91.3 FM. And I listen to it a lot when I'm in the car, and then sometimes I listen to it via the VBC 66 app because I like to keep up with what's happening within Christianity, how Christians are thinking. Well, this past Sunday, as I was leaving church, Sunday morning, um, yes, yes, it's Sunday morning, as I leave church on Sunday morning, which is actually Sunday afternoon, okay, to to be, because it's afternoon when we get out. So Sunday afternoon, as I was driving home on 91.3, they play a program, and there are times uh, during this program there's times that I, I agree with a lot of what they say, and there's times I'm like, whoa, I don't know about that. But this past Sunday, the program, definitely you could hear some of the political influence, right? Because one of the, um, the, one of the uh, persons on the show, one of the guests, I should say, the guest that they have on the show is a person who works with President Trump. It's part of President Trump's, I think, he, I think this person serves as his evangelical advisor. I can't remember their exact position. They'll, they'll state it at the beginning of what you're about to hear because I've got the audio from it. And I'm going to play it all for you. Um, but what I want you to, what I, what I'm doing here is I want you to hear the program and I want, as you listen, I want you to think carefully. And this is what I want you to think about. One, I think there's going to be some very important information about what is happening in our culture, and we should be concerned with it, uh, again, Christian, non-Christian, political or not political. We always want to know what's happening in our culture, trying to analyze what is happening in our culture. And of course, from a biblical position, then what we want to do is try to determine what a biblical worldview should be in regards to that subject. So they are going to give you a lot of information about what is happening in our culture. I want you to take note notice of that. But also, Also, as they're telling you what's happening in our culture, I think you're going to also hear a lot of political opinion, political, you're going to hear a political ideology, you're going to hear a political philosophy coming through. And at times the political and the Christian get kind of get merged together. I want you to listen, see if you can uh, identify when that is occurring. 
I want you to listen to what they say. I want you to see if you think that their, their opinions on certain matter or the way they approach certain matters, if you believe it is biblical or not. So I want you to listen carefully. I want you to think about it carefully. And of course, please let me know what you think. If you're using the VBC 66 app, it's very simple. Right there on the app, you can uh, tap on the feedback tab and you can send me your thoughts that way. Other people have my email address. Feel free to email me. And of course, the members of Victory Baptist Church, you can call me, email me, or talk to me at church about it. Or, you know, whatever. Call me anytime. Because I always love to discuss important things. So, what you're about to hear is the radio program that I that airs on 91.3 FM, American Family Radio. Obviously, it comes on, I believe it comes on at noon here in Abilene. And it goes from noon to 1 p.m., on Sunday afternoons. I don't know what time it airs um, on everywhere else where American Family Radio is. I don't know. I don't even know what time it airs on the app, to be honest with you. Um, but you're going to, I'm not going to give you any information about the program, and here's why. I'm playing the entire program uh, for you. I don't want to take any part of it out of context. I don't want to go listen to this clip. I was going to do that, but I'm like, that's not really being fair. Because I could play a clip and go, see? See how they're merging Christianity with political ideology? But that really wouldn't be fair unless you hear everything they have to say. So I'm playing the entire program. All of their advertisements, anything that any material they want to promote, you're going to hear the beginning, you're going to hear the conclusion, you can hear the entire thing. I think there's plenty in this that you should find to be valuable. And there's plenty here that I may not necessarily agree with. But even that I find valuable because it gives me insight to how... Many in the church are thinking, and how many in the church are approaching cultural issues. Um, the, these are there's there's a lot here we could talk about. I could talk for the next forty five minutes on well, forget forty five minutes. I could talk for hours about some of these issues, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here simply to introduce you, uh, to give you an introduction to the program that I heard on Sunday, and so I have given you the introduction. I've kind of introduced you to the program a little bit. I haven't given you any details, but I don't want to I don't want to give you any a bias per se. I want you to listen carefully and fairly and hopefully you'll find it to be informative, interesting and give you plenty to think about. So, here we go. This is the program I heard Sunday afternoon after I got done preaching and I got in my car to drive home. This was on my radio on the way home. 91.3 FM, American Family Radio. You can listen to American Family Radio via the VBC 66 app. Or, of course, you can look up American Family Radio and listen to it online as well. Hopefully, you'll find this to be informative and helpful. Please let me know if it was any of those things. Here is the radio program I heard this past Sunday. One man says the greatest threat to our republic is in a foreign country it's the out-of-control progressive movement. There's a lot of talk about America being a leader in, as a democracy, quote-unquote, in the 1800s when women and African-Americans couldn't vote. What kind of democracy is that? Oh, that's exactly right. And that's when I hear these things about let's make America great again. And I think to myself, well, exactly when did you think America um, was great? It certainly wasn't when um, people were enslaved. It certainly wasn't when um, uh, women didn't have the right to vote. It certainly wasn't when the LGBT community you know, was denied the rights to which it was entitled. Does that phrase echo as, as discrimination in your ears? Uh, it takes us back to, I, I think, 
think um, an American past that never in fact really existed in this notion of greatness. Today, Jan Markell begins a two-part series with Michelle Bachman, who ran for President of the United States in 2012. Michelle's insights into Washington, current events, and Bible prophecy are shared on this program regularly. Michelle is a part of President Trump's Evangelical Advisory Board. You will not hear the kind of information shared for the next two weeks anywhere else. Here's Jan Markell and Michelle Bachman. Welcome to the program. So glad you could join me. You know, we look at news, views, truths from a decidedly biblical perspective. And you heard that little opening clip by a former Attorney General Eric Holder. That is what America's left thinks, that America is not great, probably never was great. And until they get in control and turn this country into a godless socialist paradise, it will never be great. It will just be a homophobic, racist, Islamophobic nation run by corrupted capitalism and only spreading the wealth around, ridding the country of faith and freedom and turning it over to godless atheists will allow us to be a shining city on a hill. Well, that is called end-time delusion run amok. And if we didn't have biblical reminders that the last days would be perilous and evil would be called good, Christians could lose heart. Now, we must not. We must be salt. We must be light. We must delay the decay until he comes. We'll talk about this and much more for the next couple of programs with my in-studio guest, the familiar voice of Michelle Bachman, who represented Minnesota's 6th District for a number of years. Michelle, so glad you could come back in. Thank you, Jan. It's always a privilege. Well, last time we talked, actually was right before the midterm elections. We recorded way last, late October, early uh, November. So much I want to get to here in the programming. But let me just, (laughs) you were a member of Congress 2006 until early 2015. And I want to ask you, we have three new representatives in the House, Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib, and they've gotten huge attention. They've gotten acclaim. They've gotten scorn. You were in Congress. In your memory, have you ever seen new members be treated like this? I mean, in an amazing way, particularly sort of the acclaim coming their way. Well, there's always a few in every freshman class that seem to make a mark, but this is decidedly different because their faces and their voices represent really the two things that happened during the 2018 race. And those two things that happened was the Democrat Party's mainstream embrace of what was considered a fringe view of government, which is socialism, which is more of a totalitarian view of government. And that's what they represent, essentially the economic and cultural Marxism Mm -hmm. that's been in our country, but not mainstream. Now it was embraced as mainstream. They've given voice in a mainstream way to what was a fringe voice. That's been very different view. Also, they embrace the view of censorship, quite honestly. The censorship that we're seeing that's coming through our are big tech media, and they want to push and enforce censorship on speech, which we haven't seen before. Americans generally understood that we enjoy freedom of speech protections under the First Amendment. And these new people that are coming in are coming in with a different view that says First Amendment speech applies to speech that we agree with. Mm -hmm. If we don't agree with your speech, you don't get First Amendment protections. That's a very different view than we've seen before. Well, you referenced kind of the new mood in the Democrat Party. And of course, many of them are now embracing the so-called Democrat socialism, which is frankly just nothing but socialism, which, you know, after Barack Obama, shouldn't be a surprise to any of us. 
us that the party has moved so far left like this. But I saw a headline here recently. Headline said, Democrats would sooner destroy America than lose to Donald Trump in 2020. And I think headlines like that trouble your average American person who your average American person still loves America. We start seeing headlines that certainly there are some in the Democrat Party leadership who truly would rather see the country go down than give any honor, credibility, another election to Donald Trump. This is hard to wrap our brains around. Well, you're right. It's very hard. As a matter of fact, I think let's talk about an actual example. One example would be AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who's one of the freshmen, who exemplifies this whole view of Marxism coming into the Mm -hmm. mainstream in the Democrat Party. What is it that she's known for? The so-called Green New Deal. What is the Green New Deal? It has very little to do, practically nothing to do with clean water or clean air. What it has to do with the biggest power grab that government has ever had over our personal lives. Why is it when someone like AOC starts to talk about Green New Deal that it means more taxes and more control for government with no output on clean rivers or clean air. So they have nothing to do with each other. So that's what her example is. But the formula for gaining that is Marxism. And that's what we're seeing them put forward. Do you think, Michelle Bachman, do you think there's any credible candidate on the left for president? To date, no. Because again, it depends on what your end goal is. For the left, they think this Green New Deal, they think that all of their wild ideals when it comes to the sexual revolution and the government insistence on so many of these areas that we disagree with, they think that end goal is positive. Now you compare that to the living laboratory right now of the country of Venezuela. Right. Venezuela had one of the highest per capita incomes in the world, had had a fantastic fantastic lifestyle in 1943. It was really a paradise in many ways. Today, it's descended into a hellhole where some reports say that people are living as though they were in the Middle Ages. There aren't power outages. Russia has been sending people in because the country has devolved into absolute chaos. So that's a living laboratory of what AOC and her comrades want to do here in the United States. That's the fruit of socialism, Venezuela. That is the real-time example of what Bernie Sanders and all these people on the left want to have. But that's not America. For the America that we have known, and again, America is the longest running constitutional republic in the history of the world. There is no older constitutional republic or one that's lasted as long as the United States of America. That's because we were built undoubtedly, without a shadow of a doubt, on godly principles by godly men and women who look to the Bible as their inspiration. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. That is a fact. That is not the view of America that the AOC types of the world want to see. That is not how they see America. Their policy prescriptions are in line with Venezuela's. And again, we have that living laboratory of what you get with socialism. Mm -hmm. So for them, Venezuela is a raving success story. We look at that and say, but people are miserable. They're suffering. They're dying. Why would you do that to people? They don't care what the end result is. They only care about the type of system they want to put in place. And isn't it interesting? Every time their system takes away control from people and puts it in the hands of government versus God's view of government, which was take the control away from 
become a tyrannous centralized government and put the maximum amount of control and authority into the hands of individuals, the family, the church, and social institutions. Mark Levin, and I've got several quotes by Mark today, he says, the greatest threat to our Constitution and to the Republic isn't a foreign country. It's the whole progressive movement. These people, are they're very, very troubling. As a matter of fact, there's even a new movement. It's called Jexodus. It's Jews who are leaving the Democrat Party. And of course, they've been loyal to the Democrat Party since the 1940s. You know what, folks? The Democrat Party right now is on overdose with anti-Semitism, with anti-Israelism, with anti-Netanyahu, with anti-anything that stands for Judaism. Let me just play this short clip. President Trump slamming the Democrats for failing to take tougher action against Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitic remarks. The Democrats have become an anti-Israel party. They've become an anti-Jewish party. And a group of Jewish millennials called Jexodus agrees. They are encouraging Jewish Americans to walk away from the Democratic Party. The group says, quote, we reject the hypocrisy, anti-Americanism, and anti-Semitism of the rising far left. Progressive Democrats and far too many old school Jewish organizations take our support for granted. Here with more on the movement is former Trump campaign staffer and Jexodus spokesperson, Elizabeth Pipko. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. Let's start at the beginning. Jexodus means what? Obviously, uh, it's a play on Exodus, but we left Egypt and now we're leaving the Democratic Party. Why did you decide to do this and start this movement? I thought it was time. Obviously, we saw a lot of anti-Israel policies kind of start under the Obama administration. It got worse and worse, and clearly we've seen it. It's been plastered on our TV screens the last month. There's anti-Semitism in the Democratic Party. They can hide it. They can do whatever they want. They failed to condemn it, and now it's there. So it's time. Elizabeth, how much does this hurt the Democratic Party, the fact that it sounded like we were going to have a a, a resolution voted on in the floor, non-binding, perhaps with Congresswoman Omar's name on it, and then at the 11th hour, because of all the pressure from the party's left, they wound up not naming her, and it was not about anti-Semitism, it was just generally about hate across the board. I mean, the scariest part, obviously, was not the original anti-Semitism. It was the lack of leadership coming into play when they were supposed to come into play, condemn what happened, and they failed. Mm -hmm. So not only did the anti-Semitism that started with Ilhan Omar get worse and worse, you know, by proving that she had supporters in her own party, but when the leadership fails to condemn that, it shows that they are a party of anti-Semitism. You know, Mm -hmm. the president said it the other day. That's what's happening, and they can't deny it anymore. Michelle, you went to Congress back in 2006. Did you ever expect to see something like this, a Jexodus? No, because Israel was always a bipartisan issue. It was bipartisan, exactly. And the organization, APAC, which is the American-Israel Political Action Committee, they have de-emphasized differences between the two parties, and they've emphasized the unity that both Democrats and Republicans had over Israel. Inevitably, you would find presidential candidates on both Republican and Democrat seeking to speak before the APAC conference because they wanted to get their bona fides established that they were pro-Israel. It's been just an article of faith because this country has historically been a pro-Israel country. And again, I want to go back to our prior conversation that we had that the most important building block in any society, Mm. and in America in particular, is the magnificent cultural and religious foundation that is the basis of any society. If you look at the outworking of any society, whether it's 
Venezuela, Israel, Russia, Pakistan, or the United States. You have to look at what is the religious base of that nation, what is the cultural basis, and what we take too lightly and have held too lightly, and we've taken for granted the magnificent foundation that the United States was built upon. That's what we've seen essentially jackhammered Mm -hmm. in this 2018 election by those on the extreme left is jackhammering Mm -hmm. the very foundation of this country. One of those building blocks is the Judeo-Christian block that we stand for biblical values and we stand for the pro-Israel, bipartisan pro-Israel perspective in this country. And just like that, in a matter of less than 60 days, with this incoming, never seen before, embrace of radical anti-American socialistic values, isn't it interesting that those values have included a virulent strain of anti-Semitism? And so the lemmings on the left, meaning the followers on the left, have quickly jettisoned or cast aside this pro-Israel perspective. And now the Democrat Party, led by Nancy Pelosi Mm. in the House of Representatives, threw the Jews under the bus with this resolution. Because again, it was not just one comment, but comment after comment after comment of anti-Semitism by this one particular Muslim congresswoman. Actually, both Muslim congresswomen have made one anti-Semitic statement after another. And she went too far. There had to be a response at the national level. Everyone assumed that she would be removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Everyone assumed that there would be a resolution that condemned her because there was another resolution prior to that condemning another person in Congress. So they thought for sure this would happen. And then, bam, 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 overnight in a matter of two days, this resolution was rewritten to throw everything in the kitchen sink to make the perpetrator the victim, that she was a victim of, quote, Islamophobia or any other. In other words, they rendered this resolution meaningless. It was meaningless. So the Jews were thrown under the bus, and almost immediately, the APEC conference came around the corner. And every single year, I've been there year after Mm. year after year at this conference, and Democrats, Republicans go up to the microphone and talk about their love for Israel, their support for Israel, how they stand for Israel. And because somehow these Muslim members of Congress had made it appear that support for Israel was actually a Republican virtue, which it has never been before, then all of a sudden the candidates for president on the Democrat side all announced one after another in a matter of a couple hours time, oh, I won't be attending Mm -hmm. the APAC conference. I don't want to seek the support of the Jewish contingency in APAC. And that was astounding that those on the Democrat side, many of whom have received uh, financial donations, they've received backing from Jewish individuals, Jewish organizations, Jewish donors. Now they threw all that under the bus Mm -hmm. because it was considered to be the cool kid on the block to diss Israel. That happened literally in a matter of a couple days and literally in a couple of hours when it came to the Democrat candidates for president. They aren't even fair weather friends. They are false Mm -hmm. friends to the Jewish state. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. Jan Markell here. I have in studio familiar voice Michelle Bachman. She joins me two, three times a year with a little bit of update on current events. We try to tie them to the Bible. We also try to tie them to the fact that the king is coming sooner rather than later. We'll talk about that as we move more and more into the programming. And Michelle, I want to I don't want to dwell at length about it, but I certainly want 
touch on it with you here in studio with me, and that is the Bible speaks a lot of end-time lawlessness, and you and I know that's going to really manifest in the tribulation, that the tribulation is casting a huge shadow on us even today. But who would have ever thought that those, particularly on the left, would be literally obsessed with a duly elected president trying to get him out of office, and these folks will not rest until they drive Donald Trump with resignation, impeachment, even death in office. That's all they can think about. And thus, the American public has gone through a 22-month ordeal involving 19 lawyers, 40 FBI agents, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 500 witnesses in this collusion delusion. How, and, and we might have to pick this up in my next segment, but how did our intelligence community get so corrupted? Well, it isn't that the community is corrupt. It's the individuals who are put into the highest positions of power were corrupt. And I think one of the most laughable comments actually was CIA director Brennan, who had said, oh, I must have gotten bad information. When it came out, when the Mueller report cleared Donald Trump, and when we realized that a hoax had been perpetrated on the American people for two years, as you said so well, the only response of the guy who was the lead heckler at the PAC, CIA Director Brennan, was to say, well, I guess I must have gotten bad information. You're the guy who generates the information. You're the head of the CIA. That's what intelligence is. You go out and you gather information on what's happened. You created the evidence, the false evidence that was used to bring up a phony case against the president of the United States. Even worse than that, the previous administration, the Obama administration, used the FBI, the CIA, and other instrumentalities of the federal government to make a false claim against Donald Trump, who was running for president of the United States against Hillary Clinton, who was in Barack Obama's party. So he was using the government and all the means of government to spy on a candidate on the other side and then use phony false information to make a case in federal court, essentially, against the then-sitting president, Donald Trump. We've never seen anything no. like this before. This has never happened before. That's why we need to shine a spotlight on the Obama administration and the very small circle of people who tried to pull off this heist of the American election. They tried to steal the election. In fact, they called this their insurance policy. Yeah. In case Hillary Clinton couldn't win on her own, they wanted an insurance policy to make sure Donald Trump had no chance of winning because they were using the FBI and the CIA against Donald Trump. Then they made up a fake, phony, false story that he was clooning with the Russians to hack into the election and throw the election when, in fact, it was just the opposite. Hillary Clinton had paid for a phony memo filled with lies that the FBI then used as its basis of its investigation. The whole thing was made up and it was a lie. You can't even well, believe this would happen. But what you just said is right. This is a level of lawlessness, yeah, law, lawlessness in yeah. broad daylight by the president the former President Obama, by the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, by the head of the FBI James Comey, by the head of the CIA John Brennan, 
If somebody pitched this movie to a Hollywood producer, mm-hmm. you'd say, forget it. Nobody would believe that. But it happened. Well, I want to ask you a question. I want to, I'm want i going to ask it to you in my second segment, which we're heading into in just a minute or two. But I want to ask you this question is how powerful is this deep state? And then beyond that, what is the deep state? Folks, we'll talk about that when I come back, coming back in just a moment. Don't forget, I'm heading to Toronto, Canada, Saturday, May 11th. I hope to see Olive Tree followers there, and that'll be the Awaiting His Return conference on Saturday, May 11th at Church on the Queensway. Amir Sarfati, Jack Hibbs, Barry Stagner, yours truly. I'm waiting for a word on whether it's going to be live-streamed or not, and we'll have that info for you in another couple of weeks. Tickets, beholdisrael.org, beholdisrael.org, $15. I hope you'll go and check them out, and that I'll meet you in Toronto back in just a minute or two. Don't go away. We hope you are finding this information informative. Stay up to date on the tide of our times on our website, olivetreeviews.org, on weekly radio, by visiting our YouTube channel found under Jan Markell, by reading daily articles and headlines posted to our website, and by attending our annual conference. We also offer a print and e-newsletter. We know you lead busy lives. If you can't catch the program on air, we post it to our website, olivetreeviews.org, and to our YouTube channel on Saturday morning. More with Jan and Michelle in a moment. Olive Tree Ministries is carrying a new book by Douglas Stauffer and Andrew Ray, Reviving the Blessed Hope of Thessalonians. I did not think I would see the day when we would have to have a discussion about reviving our hope in the rapture of the church. Something that has to be revived has often expired, and yes, discussion of the pre-trib rapture of the church has been on life support. Find this excellent book in our store at olivetreeviews.org, in our print and e-newsletter, or you can call us Central Time, 763-559-4444, 763-559-4444. This ministry is committed to helping the entire church to keep looking up and expecting his return, even if vast portions of the church have little interest in doing that. We will keep reminding you that the trumpet and the shout could happen even today, and I promise you, you don't want to be left behind. Check out Reviving the Blessed Hope today. He used money out of the United States Treasury funneling it through phony organizations in Israel to actually defeat the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Now think of that. He actually used our government to hire people actively on the ground defeat Benjamin Netanyahu with U.S. tax money. We love getting feedback from listeners. Tell us how you listen. We air on well over 800 radio stations now all across North America. You can write us at Olive Tree Ministries, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. Write us through our website, olivetreeviews.org, or call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. Remember, you can listen to the program on your phone by downloading the OnePlace.com mobile app. Now back to Jan Markell and Michelle Bachman. The President of the United States, Donald Trump, will be remembered in the Middle East for a thousand years. He will be remembered by our enemies as the enemy. And he will be remembered by our friends as the great Donald Trump. You see... 
they view him quite differently than CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post and all the rest of them. The relationship between Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu is unparalleled. Unparalleled. It's unequal. And will the liberals in Israel throw Bibi Netanyahu out the way the left threw out Churchill after World War II? Will we, the American people, throw Donald Trump out, who stands between us and the insanity on the left? And welcome back. And we're talking a little bit this hour about the insanity on the left, leftist lunacy. First segment, we discussed some of those issues a little bit. We've got some new Congress people in office that are a little bit troubling in what they espouse. And I kind of went out of my first segment saying that when we come back into this segment, I wanted to talk to Michelle Bachman, and she's my guest for the hour. She'll be back next weekend as well. I want to ask her a little bit more about the deep state. We keep hearing about the deep state. Michelle, help us understand the deep state. I don't know how powerful they are, but I'm getting the impression that they really control things, both sides of the aisle. Republicans, Democrats, members of the deep state. This is what Donald Trump is pushing back against 24-7, 365. All of us are concerned about how much power they have. Can he ever make any headway as long as the deep state is entrenched as they are? Well, think of what the challenge is that Donald Trump or any president would have. And the challenge is this. There are literally millions and millions of permanent employees in the federal government. And these permanent employees, some of them are made civil servants so that they have a lifetime job. And ones have been put in to very sensitive positions so they can stay there forever. It's like a tenured yep. professor. Yep. So they can stay there. And many of them that are in there have the ideas and mindset and ideology, if you will, of these three new female freshmen in the Democrat Congress. So they're coming in with a mindset that is at odds with the American Constitution and the American way of life. There are people who are in the permanent bureaucracy, permanent government employees. And if they have positions of power in, let's say, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, or perhaps they're in the State Department or they're in another department in the federal government, they have access to information. Many of them are actively full-time sabotaging mm. the orders and directives of the president of the United States. So Donald Trump, for instance, will have an order and directive regarding Israel. And there may be people that are in the State Department who want to undermine and undo what it is that Donald Trump wants. Maybe they will slow walk what he said. So rather than implement immediately, they'll wait, or maybe they'll undermine in another way. I'll give you one actual example that occurred. A friend of mine was appointed as a cabinet secretary in Donald Trump's government. And he told me that he was undermined by the deep state because somebody who was a permanent employee picked up a phone and called a reporter and said, ask for this particular page in a Freedom of Information Act request. So look at this page and ask for this particular item. Well, nobody would know that unless you were an employee in the mm -hmm. government. The point is, they were suggesting that this cabinet secretary had misused his travel vouchers. That never happened. Every single travel item that this cabinet secretary did had been pre-approved by the ethics department in that cabinet. But they wanted to raise the question that maybe something was wrong. Well, the media went wild and wrote stories that this cabinet secretary had misused his travel when in fact he hadn't. And it was lie after lie after lie. But it was 
people within government who were telling the lies from what was presumed a position of authority and a position of truth, but it wasn't. They were lies. So the deep state are people who have permanent jobs within the federal government, and there are millions of people. Not everyone is against our government who works for the government. Not everyone is a part of the deep state, but you don't need everyone. If you even have just a hundred people who are in line with the goals to advance cultural and economic Marxism Mm. or to advance the goals of Islamic Jihad, for instance, and they have jobs within the federal government, they can do very serious damage. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what the concern is. If there are people that have permanent jobs in our government who are undermining our government. Nothing we can do but pray. Well, we need to pray, but also this is how I pray. I pray according to the scripture, which says we need to pray to expose, ask the Lord to Mm. expose the hidden deeds of darkness. And he has remarkable ways of doing this, where you can only say it's the hand of God who exposes the hidden deeds of darkness. And that's one way I would ask your listeners to pray, to please pray that God would expose these hidden deeds of darkness. And he does. Trust him, he will. A lot of things here still on my mind. 70% of evangelicals apparently continue to support Donald Trump, and that's great. I think and you and I talked here before this program even began, and you said to me, this isn't a word-for-word quote, but it's pretty close, that what Donald Trump has done in just over two years is really more significant than what Ronald Reagan did in his administration. And that's quite a statement. Having said that, there are still plenty of people pushing back against President Trump. My goodness. We still got the Never Trump movement. There are still conservatives that would never think a positive thought about the guy. But tell me why you said to me that what he's done in just about two years, greater than what the Reagan administration did. Well, I'm glad that you asked the question because think of what Donald Trump has labored under Mm -hmm. from even before the day that he took office. He's had this Russia hoax over his shoulder. So it's like he's been laboring with a two-ton weight on his shoulders, like a boulder on his shoulders. Now that's been lifted. He's been cleared by this report. There never was any collusion. That was all a lie. What he has managed to accomplish with the tax bill, which is not only cut taxes, but he promised that he would get rid of two regulations for every one new regulation that comes in. And I have had more job creators say to me, you know, taxes are one thing. We have to factor in the cost of taxes in every item or service that we sell. So we pass along the cost of the tax. But when it comes to regulations, that means that we may not not even be able to manufacture. We may not even be able to produce. It's extremely expensive to be in compliance with government regulations. Mm -hmm. Many of them are nonsense or they contradict each other. So Donald Trump has actually gotten rid of 22 regulations for every regulation he's put into place. That's why you see all these companies opening manufacturing plants. We have the greatest manufacturing renaissance going on now that we've had in modern times in America. So we have companies that have moved back to the United States. They're creating more jobs. This is the greatest job market ever for African-Americans, the greatest job market ever for Latin Americans, for women, for disabled people, for young people. We've never had more Americans ever in the job force than we do right now. You don't hear this on mainstream media. So that's just on the economic perspective. The president has been overperforming. We have a fine-tuned, a humming economy right now for items that we are concerned 
concerned about biblically. This president has done more to advance the pro-life movement and the pro-life cause than any other president has ever done. Just this week, Secretary of State Pompeo had announced the Mexico City policy would be enforced even wider than it had before. The Mexico City policy says not one dime of U.S. taxpayer money will go to pay for foreign abortions. Well, that should be a given, but that isn't the way it was under Barack Obama. We were paying for foreign abortions, abortions of people in other countries. Not only have we said no to that, but now Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, has said even those nonprofits that are contracting with other nonprofits, Mm -hmm. they can't perform abortions. So that policy has gone even further, plus defunding of Planned Parenthood, the largest provider of abortions in America. Planned Parenthood is being exposed for their deeds of darkness, and we're pulling back money from Planned Parenthood as well through the Trump administration. So that's just on the pro-life issue, on the area of religious freedom. We are doing more to advance religious freedom and to protect Christians who are being murdered and persecuted in the Middle East like we have not seen before. Christians can now flee to America. That's right. They couldn't under our previous administration. It was very, very hard. Barack Obama, practically 99% of the people that he allowed in under the refugee resettlement programs were Muslims, certainly non-Christians. Now that has been completely flipped on its head, and President Trump is now allowing in persecuted Christians, people who are literally are being persecuted, and he's offering them protection in the United States. And perpetrators, almost all of whom are Muslim, are not getting access through the refugee mm-hmm. resettlement program. So this is a complete turnaround, but on so many different areas. We've talked about Pastor Andrew Brunson, yeah. that the president would not relent until this pastor was released out of Turkey. Now, I, I've spoke to Pastor Brunson myself at the National Prayer Breakfast, and he is back and his ministry has continued. So that's in those two areas. We could go on what the president has done with standing for righteousness in so many areas, one being Barack Obama had demanded and commanded that our military services had to literally go out and recruit people who are transgender to come into the military. Well, it costs about a quarter of a million dollars to do sex reassignment surgery. Why would you recruit people? who would come in and have sex reassignment surgery and be on the sidelines. It made no sense. So uh, Donald Trump got rid of that mandate and that requirement. He has stood up where most Republicans wouldn't dare to stand up. Donald Trump has had the courage and the fortitude. And I will say to your listeners, in my lifetime, I have never seen a more biblical president than I have seen in Donald Trump. He has so impressed me with what he's done. And we haven't even talked about Israel, what he has done to to advance Israel. He is highly biblical. And I would say to your listeners, we will in all likelihood never see a more godly biblical president again in our lifetimes. So we need to be not only praying for him, we need to support him, in my opinion, in every possible way that we can. Mm. Folks, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. Jan Markell, I have in studio Michelle Bachman. You hear her on this program frequently giving updates, some Washington insights and some, oh, some geopolitical issues that we deal with as well. But Michelle, I want to just hit for a few minutes here. And Michelle will be back next week, so we're going to continue our discussion. But it was three years ago, almost to the day, when then-President Barack Obama made this statement, and I want to build on it in just a minute or two. It gets worse. Just this week, Michelle Bachman actually actually predicted that I would bring about the biblical end of days. Now that's a legacy. That's big. 
I mean, Lincoln, Washington, they didn't do that. So three years ago, you and I did a taping here in the studio, and we talked about some similar issues. We talked about how the uh, clock of Bible prophecy is marching forward. It never stops. And obviously, some U.S. presidents play a role in that, some of their policies. And you and I discussed at that time, three years ago, almost to the day, how President Barack Obama was advancing prophecy clock. So as we were talking today, I said to you, I kind of want to get your take on just how President Donald Trump could be advancing that clock. And the first thing that popped into my mind, and we've got time yet, so we're going to be discussing exactly how U.S.-Israel relations are moving forward, would be some activity. Genesis 12.3, God blesses those who bless Israel. Certainly, Israel's boundaries are being affected, and hopefully in a good way. He's dropped terms like occupied territory, things like that. I think another thing that comes to my mind as we speak is the rush to this one-world system, the rush to this globalism. Chris Donald Trump's pushing back on that. He just keeps saying, I'm a nationalist, I'm not a globalist. Why don't you tell me how you feel Donald Trump is advancing the Bible prophecy clock? Well, I think that the prophecy clock in the Bible is one that is centered on Jerusalem mm-hmm. and centered on right. Israel. And if you want to know where we're at in history, you look at Jerusalem and then you look at Israel. And the compare and contrast between our former president, Barack Obama, who was anti-Israel in every measure that he took. He wanted to preen about like a peacock and pretend that he was pro-Israel. He wasn't. He was as anti-Israel as you could be, including, many people don't realize, he used money out of the United States Treasury, funneling it through phony organizations in Israel to actually defeat the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Now think of that. He actually used our government to hire people actively on the ground, defeat Benjamin Netanyahu with U.S. tax money. That's illegal to do something like that, but that's what he did. That's brazen versus Donald Trump, who on his own as a private citizen, he just cut a commercial in favor of Benjamin Netanyahu that was run in Israel so people could see that. He didn't do that with the United States government or the instrumentalities of government. He did that as a private server to stand with the current leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, because he sees that Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. It is the freest place in the world for any Arab. It is the freest place in in the Middle East. It is the freest nation in the Middle East for women. If you're gay, it's the freest place to be. It is the best economy in the Middle East. So Donald Trump has stood up for the boundaries of Israel. He stood up for Jerusalem as a capital. That's where the difference is. He has stood for the boundaries of the land. He hasn't put pressure on the people of Israel to remove themselves from the land, and he has stood up for the capital of Israel. We know that Scripture says that Israel will be a nation that all the nations of the world would come against. Well, why would all the nations of the earth come against a nation that was of no account? Israel is now in its strength, and Donald Trump has helped to strengthen Israel in its current state. You used a term with me earlier today. I found it to be a fascinating term, and I think I need to discuss it with you. And you talked to me about how everything is being so influenced by this multi-billionaire cabal. First of all, I want you to explain what that is. But secondly, you reminded me that this multi-billionaire cabal all want one thing, global government, which 
folks, that in itself is astounding, that the real movers and shakers of this world have one thing in mind, that's a one-world system. Again, that leaps out of the Bible, heavily out of the books of Daniel and Revelation. Revelation 13 paints a picture of one-world government that's crystal clear. Can't mistake it in Revelation 13. Michelle, give me a definition of what you mean here about this multi-billionaire cabal. First of all, who are they? Well, it's interesting that these billionaires all have, it seems, the same end goal in mind. Billionaires like George Soros, Mm -hmm. billionaires like Warren Buffett, billionaires like Tom Steyer, or even Bill Gates. They all have been on the same page when it comes, for instance, just one example, to advancing the goals of a Planned Parenthood. They're very much a pro-abortion community. They believe in advancing abortion all throughout the world. And yet at the same time, what's the biggest problem that the West faces? It's a demographic decline. It's not enough people that are being born. And these nations are starting to now thin out and lose populations. And yet, why is it that these billionaires all have the same goal? And the goal is one that mirrors what the Bible predicts will one day come, that there will be a one-world government with a one-world religion. It will be a a cashless system Mm -hmm. where people will only be able to buy and sell with the mark of the beast that the Bible talks about. It's very clear what that goal is. And it's dominated by control by a very small cabal of people. And so people that have all this money, more money than we've ever seen before, concentrated in very few hands. It's interesting to me that the outcomes they're looking for are fairly similar. And yet if you look at the UN, which was established in 1945, their end goal has always been the same. They love international government. They love international criminal court, for instance, where that court would have sovereignty over all the people of the earth. It's extremely frightening because those values are not in any way in sync with Mm. American values. That's why Donald Trump is so different and so unique. He is not a globalist. He is not a one world government type. He rejects all of that. His leaders that he has appointed in his government are also not one worlders. They agree with Donald Trump's position. Donald Trump is about America. He wants a strong America, an independent America, a sovereign America. That is different than what the multi-billionaire cabal wants. They don't seem to want a strong America. They're all for no borders. They're for watching this invasion. As you and I talk, we have never seen an invasion on our southern American border like we're seeing right now. Literally tens of thousands, 100,000 in a month are pouring over. People have never been vetted. We have the highest number of measles cases right now so far this year than we had all of last year. So we're seeing disease, poverty, crime, all pouring into our country. And yet, why is it that the multi-billionaire cabal says this is fine? But they love it. We're heading into my closing segment in just a moment or two, folks, for this particular program. We're going to continue with part two next week with Michelle Bachman. We'll give you an update on what she's doing as well. She's traveling the world. She's still ministering at the United Nations with some astounding stories coming out of the UN. Good stories. We'll be back in just a minute or two. Don't go away. We are always delighted to feature Michelle Bachman on Understanding the Times Radio. Jan and Michelle have been friends and co-workers in ministry for two decades. They love ministering to remnant believers around the world, as well as sharing the truth of the gospel, the lateness of the hour, and a call to holy living to combat the darkening tide of our times. More in just a moment. 
Why not save the date of Saturday, September 21 for Understanding the Times 2019? Tickets go on sale June 1st for $25 and include lunch. We will be selling general admission seats only and no assigned seating. Speakers this year include Dr. Robert Jeffress, Amir Sarfati, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Pastor J.D. Farag, and Jan Markell. They will help you understand the times and become watchmen on the wall. Location once again is Grace Church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, just outside of Minneapolis. The teaching is timely and the fellowship is unparalleled as you make friends for life. Save the date and visit our website's conference page for a list of hotels and other pertinent information. That's olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org. We hope to meet thousands of you September 21, just outside of Minneapolis. Your prayers matter. They've made a huge difference on the international level. We need this at the UN. Again, this is a body that is overall anti-Israel. This is a body overall that seeks one world government. Jan Markell and Michelle Bachman wrap up part one of a two-part series next. Please keep Michelle in prayer as she ministers around the world on behalf of the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. She also serves at the United Nations, bringing the gospel to ambassadors and other UN personnel. Here's Jan and Michelle closing off today's programming. Be sure to join us next week on air or online for part two of this programming. What else do they want to do? They want to destroy capitalism and replace it with socialism. They want to nationalize energy, call it the Green New Deal. They want to nationalize health care. They call it Medicare for All or single payer. They want a wealth tax. They want a 70 to 90 percent marginal rate tax on certain individuals. They want free college. They want a guaranteed minimum income from birth. A guaranteed federal job for those who quote unquote can't find one. Three months of taxpayer financed family leave. An expansion of Social Security, which is already going to go bankrupt according to the trustees in 2034. And I've just gotten started. Donald Trump stands in the way of that utopia, of that paradise. They must destroy him. And welcome back. We're wrapping up program number one with Michelle Bachman. She'll be back next week. I have to uh, make a comment because we opened the entire program some 40 minutes ago now with a clip from Eric Holder. And he said something like, when I hear these things about let's make America great again, I think to myself, exactly when did you think America was great? Well, Mr. Holder, if I could reply to that, when America got the gospel to the ends of the earth, when America has stood with Israel, voted for independence in 1948, moved her embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem a year ago, when America sent aid to hundreds of nations who were devastated by natural disasters, when we helped liberate Europe during World War II, do I really need to go on much further? When we went to war in the mid-1800s to free the slaves. I mean, Eric Holder, again, he demonstrates the utter insanity of today's leftist lunacy. And that's kind of what Michelle Bachman and I have been talking about here for program number one on Understanding the Times Radio. Let me just quickly say that we've got an active presence on social media. 
and check it out. Instagram, Olive Tree Ministries on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, extremely active. Check it out. Jan Markell's Olive Tree Ministries on Facebook. Find us on Twitter at Olive Tree Men. If you do write to us, would you always tell us how you listen? Are you a podcaster? Are you listening to one of our well over 800 stations? Are you listening online on our website? It helps us process things here in the office. The program is posted to our website every Saturday morning. It is also posted Saturday to our YouTube channel under Jan Markell, and we have now added visual images. So we're giving you illustration of what we're talking about on YouTube. The only place you can see it on our YouTube channel. Check it out. Again, that's the Jan Markell channel on YouTube posted on Saturday morning, and we've got tens and tens of thousands watching on YouTube and following on the social media. Now, Michelle, I want to get back because I think we need a little bit of an update, and next week we've got lots of things we've still got to cover. Right now, you are serving as co-chairman of the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. You're still serving at the United Nations. You're there frequently. You gave me some stories before we went on air today. You're actually ministering to some ambassadors at the United Nations. One even prayed for salvation, thanks to your influence, and you prayed with that particular individual. Talk to us and my audience, because they follow you, they pray for you, they write, they send emails. What is Michelle doing? Where is she now? Give us an update on what you're doing. First of all, thank you to your audience for all the prayers. Never underestimate the power of prayer, because it is God at work when we are firing up our prayers. And I have seen it at the United Nations. We've laid a lot of foundation of praise and worship and prayer at the United Nations, and we're seeing now the fruits of that. I did have the opportunity. I've met with over 50 ambassadors now, one-on-one at the UN. I make personal meetings with them. There are 193 ambassadors, so I've met with about a fourth of them now at this point. And also, we've held different seminars at the United Nations, and we hold small group meetings. We've held church services, and we also hold Bible studies for the over 10,000 permanent employees that are at the United Nations. This is a very strategic place. It is the only place on earth that all the kings and prime ministers and presidents of the earth gather once a year. They gather the third week of September, but then they do their work all throughout the year. So it's a very strategic place to bring the gospel. It's a tough place. I won't kid you, it's been a very tough place, but you begin with prayer, praise, and worship and prayer, and we are seeing that the fruits. Just recently, I had a chance to pray with three young people. There were people who gave their personal stories of being transformed by Jesus Christ after Mm -hmm. the people had made their profession of faith in front of a group. We had young people, over 30 young people, rush up to the table Mm -hmm. afterwards and tell us they were from South America, Central America, Mexico. They said, we've never heard this before because everything that gets pushed on them is everything but man woman marriage with the pro abortion agenda the culture of death and they said we've never heard this before this is all new to us and so i just was prompted by the holy spirit to ask if i could pray for salvation with some of those kids and i did i prayed one on one for salvation with some of these young people now they'll be going back to their nations as new creatures in jesus christ and they will impact their world and so what this is is little by little, bit by bit, 
never despise small beginnings. And we're seeing this at the UN. And so what I'm saying to all of you who are listening is your prayers matter. They've made a huge difference on the international level. We need this at the UN. Again, this is a body that is overall anti-Israel. This is a body overall that seeks one world government. This is where we need to have prayer, especially right now in God's time clock in the prophetic history that the Bible has written prehistory. We need your prayers. So that is on that score. Also, as the co-chair of the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast, we are going all over the world right now, meeting with leaders, with presidents, with prime ministers, with kings, even in Muslim countries, to talk with them. This is unbelievable, the doors that God has opened, to talk with these leaders about having a pro-Israel perspective Mm -hmm. in conformity with Genesis 12.3. Who's going with you? Who are some of the others that are speaking as you are? I had mentioned to you I'd gone with Joel Rosenberg. That wasn't uh, for Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. That was for Joel Rosenberg's thing. I've gone also with Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast, where we've met also in Muslim countries. Mm -hmm. I won't say the name of the country for certain reasons, but we are going and we are making a pro-Israel pitch to them to work with Israel, to bless Israel, if you will. And also regarding Jerusalem, we're asking them to consider moving their embassy Mm -hmm. to Jerusalem. And we've seen it. We've seen it with Guatemala. We've seen it with Mm -hmm. Honduras just this last month. Monday, Romania announced that they're moving their embassy. These are steps that no one ever thought possible two years ago. And now the United States, the biggest nation, the most powerful nation on earth, made that opening announcement to Israel, but now other nations are following suit. And so really what we're seeing out is the playing out of Joel chapter 3 and Matthew 25, 31 through 33, which is the separating of goat and sheep nations. And the basis for a nation to be either a goat or a sheep nation is whether or not they are favorable towards Zion, whether they bless Zion. We're seeing that in effect is a warning and it is reaching out with that word to nations that now is the chance Mm -hmm. to turn to be either a sheep and make the choice because from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, man has had choice. We've had free will. We get to choose life or we get to choose death. And part of what we're doing with the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast is going around the world to speak with leaders on their nation coming into a time of blessing as opposed to a time what do, you ha- what do you have coming up as far as travel? Well, I know I, you're going around the world. I am. Mm-hmm. I have recently been in Norway where I spoke mm-hmm. on national television for an hour. I gave the gospel, believe it or not, on national TV in Norway. I gave the gospel and I talked about the Christian heritage, how Christianity came to Norway, and then how Norwegians brought Christianity to the United States and blessed the United mm-hmm. States. So I've done that, but I will be going to the United States to speak in San Antonio. I'll be speaking in South Carolina. I'll be going to the Ukraine. I'll be going to Israel. I'll be going to Iraq. I'll be going to Mm. Uganda. I'll be going to Israel again. I'll be speaking at The Hague. I'll be speaking in Amsterdam. So God has opened up doors of opportunity like never before to spread this message and to talk about the day and time that we live in, that this is the time for nations to get right with God. That's really what this is for nations having the opportunity to get right with God. How can my audience pray for you? Because they follow you. How can they pray for you? What I would ask for prayer for myself and for them is that God gives us the ears to hear and the insight 
to live out our faith. That's what's really been struck with me lately, how imperative it is for each one of us, whatever our sphere of influence, that we are living out the faith, living out Christianity, living out the truth of the Bible. If we are that living letter wherever he has placed us, this whole world gets turned upside down. That's what happened with the original apostles, that the world was turned upside down because they became living letters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we can do. If each one of us does that, quite literally, it won't be us that Mm. does it. And that's the first thing you realize. It has nothing to do with us as individuals. It has everything with us being like a garden hose Mm. and the Holy Spirit is like the water that comes through the hose. So think of it that way. All we are is the vessel. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that does the work. So open ourselves up and we will see the gospel transform lives. I've probably had more freedom in my life in the last year or two with presenting the gospel, Mm -hmm. sharing what the gospel is and asking people to pray to receive salvation. I've probably been more free lately than ever before in my life. And I want to encourage people, it doesn't have to be weird or creepy. It is very simply just speaking truth to people. And it happens. People are hungry for the Word of God. Folks, we're going to pick this up again next week in part two of my two-part series with Michelle Bachman. We want to encourage you even greater next week because there are incredible things going on around the world. I know we see dark headlines, but we've got to see beyond some of those headlines, and we'll talk more about that on next week's programming. It says in Isaiah 33, 6 that only God is the stability of our times. Politicians are not. Statesmen are not. Kings and generals come and go. God wants to to offer you stability as well. Michelle's been talking about that here this closing segment. He also wants to become your Lord, your Savior, and to take control of any life that is headed off course. Turn to him today. No one is promised tomorrow. Eternity is a very long time, and particularly in the wrong place. So I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. We know you'll want to tune in again next week as we bring you part two of our programming. Contact us at Olive Tree Ministries, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. You can contact us online at olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. At 763-559-4444. Thank you for trusting Understanding the Times Radio. We are drowning in fake news, false teaching, and corruption in high places. We encourage you to hold on to the truth of the gospel and be salt and light in a darkening world. Yeah.